Good morning, family. Hot mic. Look out. We are officially in the house of God, and you are officially priests of the Most High God. It's all about Him this morning. It's all about Him this morning. We're going to go up to the house of the Lord. We're going to go up. There's been a stirring this morning already. In the prayer room and before, there's been a stirring. The goodness of God, the majesty of God, the love of God. Stirring, 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 stirring. So just respond this morning. Respond with your faith. Open your heart. Respond to the Lord. Offer Him a sacrifice of praise. Holy Ghost, we welcome you this morning to take over. We welcome you to take over. We present ourselves living sacrifices this morning. We open our hearts to offer you praise and worship and to say you're good Your love's amazing. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Let me just say a couple things before we go on. You know, we're here to seek the Lord, and we may think, well, I already know the Lord. I already have some, all these experiences. But there's this, there's, there's always more of God. And furthermore, God is leading you deeper into deeper expressions of him by a principle of diminishing returns. And what it means is that that degree or that manifestation of God you had yesterday is not enough to satisfy the need for tomorrow. It's not enough to satisfy the yearning of your, of your soul. And so what God is pulling out of you is deeper desire, a deeper cry. And sometimes when we, when we make this what the church needs to supply for us, that's when Christians start to die on the vine. Because they come to church and it just, suddenly church isn't cutting it for them anymore. Has nothing to do with church. Has everything to do with the cry that God wants to bring out of you for some deeper part of him. And that nothing else will bring satisfaction except that, that next layer of who he is. What we need today is the next layer of who he is. So we say, Lord, our hearts cry out for you. Lord, in you we found our hope, God. But as we begun to feel the need, as we begun to feel the, the emptiness, Lord, the thinness, of what we've experienced, Lord. We want to turn our hearts once again and say, it's you, Lord. It's in you. 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 So we want to cry out today, Lord, like we've never cried out. To say, God, we need you and we want you. You are the answer for the deepest cries of our heart. You are the answer. Oh, let's seek him this morning. As we're singing this again, I want you to think about what it is we're seeking. Jesus, 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 holy and anointed one. We want the anointed one to arise in our midst. We want Holy Spirit that you would unveil the anointed one. The anointed one, the anointed one. What we need today is the anointed one in our midst. 
the anointed one, the anointed one, Jesus, anointed one, Jesus, let our praises fill. Let's sing this part again. Let's sing that part again. And I want you to see God on his throne. And suddenly he opens his hands like this. And he's drawing in your worship. He's receiving your worship. He's enjoying your worship. Like the warm rays of the sun on your face. God is receiving your worship. Let let the praises fill. Fill your temple, O God. You are good, O God. Come on, let's praise him. You are good, Father in heaven. You, you are good. You are so good. You are so good. So good. You are 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 If you want to ask God for something right now, ask him for this, the capacity to give him glory, the capacity of an enlarged heart, the capacity of fullness, the capacity of 100% of my being poured out. Where nothing is returning, nothing points back to me. Where I say, all glory and honor and power to your name. Oh, you are good. We want to give you more glory. More glory. More glory. This is what it's really about. To give him all the glory. All the honor to your name. Nothing held back. Nothing held back. So Lord, we pray. 
that the work that you began in us would continue. That the parable of the kingdom where a little leaven entered into the lump until the whole lump was leavened. Lord, we want the whole of our life, the whole of our hearts, every room, every compartment given over to you, that nothing would be held back. Lord, that every strand of our desire, every, every cord within us would be giving you the glory and the honor and the praise. This is the longing of the Father. Even when he healed the ten lepers, he said, were there not ten healed? Why is it only one has come back to give glory, to give honor? Why only one? And God's desire in your life is to unite into one heart, one single eye, one whole expression that we with all of our being, with a great abandonment, nothing held back, would give glory to him. That we would allow his Holy Spirit to come into our lives and to begin to govern and rule over those parts that say we will not have this man to rule over us. Oh. Paul said concerning the very church, he said, all have left, all seek their own. Except for Timothy. All seek their own. Well, what were they doing? Did they stop serving God? No, they were, they were doing church stuff. But they were making a name for themselves. They were looking to be famous. They were looking to be important. They were invested in their reputations. All in the name of church life, the mechanics of ministry, uh, the machinery of the church, Paul says, only Timothy has my heart as a son. Lord, we, we, we know you are looking for sons who only want to see the kingdom of God manifested. Oh, God, do that in us, what you did in Timothy. What you did in Paul, what you did in Peter, what you did in John, do that in us. Lord, may we be the ones that when you said, seek my face, my whole heart said, your face, Lord, I will seek. Your face, Lord, I will seek. I believe there's a window of opportunity for wayward, divided hearts to be united into one. I believe this is a day where scattered minds and agendas and double-mindedness can be united into one heart.
I believe fragmentation can be brought together in a miracle. In a miracle today, this day. Lord, we cry out to you. Shift. Shift our hearts. Lord, we turn our backs. We repent. We turn our backs on seeking our own ways, seeking our own glory, seeking our own place. We turn our backs and we say we will seek first the kingdom of God. We will seek your righteousness. We turn our backs on every other priority. We say we repent. We repent. We turn. We turn toward you today, right now. There's a miracle to be done right now. There's a miracle to be done right now. There are many of us, you watch others, you say, why does God respond to them? Why does God respond to their prayer? Why does God respond to their song? It is it's the degree of the fullness of their heart that cries out and God is offering today a unity of heart that to this point has not been possible in your life. So this morning as I was driving in to the church, it's not very far, but as I was driving in, I remembered uh, a prophetic word that was given to me some years ago. And I remember the moment, it was so distinct, and it's come back to me a number of times. And the prophet said this, he said, Oh, my son, the things I could do for you. If you would only cry out, and I feel he's speaking it over us today, Oh, my children, the things I could do for you, if you could only cry out, if you would only lift up your voice. And you see, it's not that I, I didn't cry out. It's not that there weren't moments when I asked for things. It wasn't that I didn't pray. It wasn't that I didn't worship. But it's about degrees of wholeheartedness. It says, and I've shared this before again and again, it says, you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. This is a kingdom prescription for discovering more of God. What if there was a capacity? What if the way that my heart reaches to God what if that could be different? That's the question. So, Father, we reach out to you today and we say, make it so in our lives. Make us single-hearted. You know, when, when Jesus was talking to Martha and he said, Martha, Martha, you you worry you're distracted over so many things and it's not that the work that you're doing isn't important it's what your heart is looking for because you you go to that stuff because it's what 
satisfies you. There's something in what in in you that fulfills you when you do that. He said, Mary has chosen the better thing. It's not that those things don't need to be done. It's just that Mary has made a heart choice to desire to go after something, which is me. And you are, God, look what I did for you, except you're not really doing it for me. You're doing it for you. That's the, that's the divided point. That's the difference. Because you can, you can do anything unto the Lord. That's not the issue. Paul says, you know, servants, you know, serve your masters as unto the door, as unto the Lord. So you can actually pour yourself, your whole heart into doing, you know, cleaning the stalls and washing the floors and, and, and feeding the livestock. You, and that be worship unto the Lord. You can do that. But the difference is unto the Lord. And what he was saying in Martha is, Martha, your heart for me is not the same as Mary's heart for me. And she has something you don't have. Oh, God. This, this is a change moment. This, there is a kingdom alignment that is available in the spirit for us today to become a new kind of people like what happened to Saul when he was when he met the prophets and God turned him into a different man something shifted in his heart despite the fact that he wasn't able to keep it something shifted in that moment and i believe that God is offering to us something a change where our hearts John was one of those guys and John He wasn't boasting when he said that John was the disciple that Jesus loved. Because everything within John, everything within him, made a priority about Jesus. I want you. I believe you. I trust you. Every time there was a divide in him, he chose Jesus. He leaned into him. Even when... Jesus said things that baffled his mind, that went against the grain of what he felt and thought was right. He said, well, you, Jesus. The same thing as what Peter did. I, Man, this is a hard saying, but you have the words of eternal life. What is that? That was a potential divide. And many of the disciples walked away from Jesus that time because when push came to shove, They went with what they felt. They went with what they thought. They went with what was comfortable for them. This agrees with me. This agrees with me. This agrees with me. So I'm going with that. And the disciples, it was a hard decision. This is challenging Jesus. Everything in me, Peter is saying. But I know you have the words of eternal life, so against my better judgment. In other words, I'm believing my judgment to be inferior. I am leaving my trust in myself. I'm leaving what I know to be true. 
I'm leaving my history. I'm leaving my, 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 my whole Judaistic religion because drinking your blood and eating your flesh, it's contrary to everything inside of me. What is this? I don't understand it. it, it, it it's offensive. But I know there's life in it. And so against the grain of what I, I would normally lean into, I'm going to lean into you. That choice is being made by us every day. We're we're making that choice every day. Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And Peter gave the right answer. Right after that. Right after that. Peter He's listening to Jesus, and Jesus is talking about leaving them. He's talking about dying. He's talking about going to the cross. But see, Peter's already formulated what this should look like. He's already seen, you know, he, he's taken his version of the kingdom of God. He's, he's already put his, his stake in, you know, I, I, we've left all for you. You better come through in the way that I understand. But Peter didn't completely understand the kingdom. So he had wrapped up into his expectation a position for himself in the new administration of Jesus. Will you at this time restore the kingdom, Lord? His expectation of what Jesus should do for him was ground not given over. When I see Christians get disappointed by God... They come back with, well, I prayed, I did this, I served, and this never happened, or that never happened, or the church hurt me, or they didn't do this for me, or I didn't get that position, or I, didn't, I, I wanted to be a pastor, or I, I, you know, whatever it is, I was disappointed. I had my hopes set on this. And we find some justifiable reason to be offended. And what God was trying to do is he was after, like Peter, that ground in your heart where, okay, I'm willing to give up this and this and this, but you better do this. Do you have a place in your heart of God you better? Do you understand what I'm saying? Every single disciple was confronted at the depth of their being with the sword of God, the dividing, piercing, penetrating sword that asks the question, what will you choose today? Are you going with yourself or are you going with God on this? That's why the angel said to Mary, and a sword shall pierce your own soul. Well, a sword has pierced our souls. I don't have to know every details again about everybody's life to know that God is right. And that when he comes and he offers that choice and we say no, and then the rest of our life, and I've seen this over and over and over again, Christians who were once on fire, Christians who were given over to the kingdom of God, Christians who were zealous to die more for the Lord, suddenly their Christian life pans out and it just, we're just coasting. It's just plateaued from here. 
And they never stop being Christian. But that fire is not there. The flame isn't there. How does that happen? Right at that divide. When we say, this is a hard saying, you have the eternal life, but I'm just going to stay with what I think. It happens. The only reason I'm here today as I am is because in those excruciating moments when I wanted to say, yeah, but God, you said this, this was supposed to happen, and 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 this was supposed to happen. And I said, evidently, my expectation was misplaced. And that's not easy to do when all of your hope is wrapped up. See, the Lord doesn't want a part of you. He wants all of you. Because whatever he doesn't have is given to something else. There's no, there's no gray area. You either serve mammon or God. There's no uncommitted part. Whatever's not committed to him is committed. And that's why when Peter started to say, no, Lord. See, he, he, he was sincere. He really believed Jesus was off. No, Lord. That can't be because I, I've, I've already seen this. This is what it should be. And this is how this should play out. And uh, what you're talking about is going against the grain. It's hitting all my fear buttons. This is, it, no, 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 no. I can't do that again. I can't go through that kind of disappointment again. Mm. And you know what Jesus said to him? He said, get behind me, Satan. Why? Because that part that is not given over to God may as well be Satan speaking. And he says, get thee behind me, Satan, because what Satan does, what principalities and powers do, is they leverage that part of you that is not given over. And they manifest their own nature, their own thoughts, because what they found in you is agreement. And that's why Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. In other words, Satan, you are a master at coming alongside and agreeing with what men want in order to find a place in them. And God is saying, listen, my children, I, I'm not coming here to take something away from you. I'm coming here to give you something. And if I'm taking anything away, I'm taking away powerlessness. If I'm taking anything away, I'm taking away torment. If I'm taking anything away, I'm taking away confusion. If I'm taking anything away, it's not independence and freedom. It's sovereignty. The capacity to will and to do the right thing, which you presently don't even have. I'm here to establish you in your autonomy. I'm here to really make you free. God, do it in our hearts. God, you did it to John and you did it to Peter. 
And you did it to Paul. And you did it to saints of old. You did it to reformers. We say, God, we don't know what you need to do. But put your finger on that place inside of our hearts. And you may not know where it is. But I guarantee you, somebody knows. And if you're married, somebody knows. Because they've tasted the power of that, that will. They've tasted the nastiness of self-will rising up. And they can tell you right where it is. But they don't have the clarity with which to identify it because they've got their own. And yours rises up against theirs, and then there's conflict. It's only one of the dynamics that God uses to say, look at the unyielded land of your heart. So the knowledge that comes from above is willing to yield. I want to read a couple of scriptures here. God is saying to me, he's saying to us, if we would just cry out, oh God, oh God, what does it take to cry out? What does it really take to cry out? You know, I go to, a, I go to an Oilers game and they're, uh, they got these cheap little prizes they're sending out, you know, an Oilers t-shirt and people are making fools of themselves diving over seats and, you know, I won't do it. Not because I'm proud, it's just I don't value what they're giving. I can make a fool of myself. And that's what I'm intent to do here in worship every Sunday. To cry out with all of my heart, to worship Him. But what makes you really cry out? What makes you want to cross that threshold where you demonstrate desire for something? I use the arbitrary example of the Oilers game and... You have to value what it is that's being given. Well, in that case, I don't value that. But secondly, you have to believe there's a chance of it coming your way. You know, there's, there's 20,000 people there, and they're giving out 10 T-shirts, you know. Say, like, I'm not going to make a fool of myself for, you know, one in 20, you know, one in 5,000 chance of getting a T-shirt or whatever. They're not even looking this way. I'm not going to stand up. Desperation and faith, the belief that something is possible, come together in a divine equation to get what God wants to give you. But the desperation is important because it causes you to come out of something. Because when, when when you have to cry out for something, you have to make yourself vulnerable on some level. That's what humbling yourself is is you're humbling yourself. You know, it's a close cousin to humiliating yourself. When somebody humbles themselves and gets what they value, they think, well, it was worth it, humiliating myself like that. But somebody else might be saying, yeah, I wouldn't do that for a T-shirt. So the question is, why can't we really cry out to God? Why can't we humble ourselves before God fully? Do we not value what's given or do we not believe it could be had? Is it a combination of those? Or are we guarding our dignity and integrity and sophistication? Paul said, we, were, we are fools for you. We are fools for you. Christians all around the globe say, well, I, I, I want more of God, but I... I don't think we should have to look ridiculous to get it. Oh, really? Have you read the Bible? Let me read these passages. 
Paul is talking about the unknown God. He says, therefore, to, to the one whom, Acts 17, if you're interested. Therefore, to the one whom you worship without knowing, I proclaim to you. God, who has made the world and everything in it, since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men who dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. I don't know. Groping is, groping is, is such a humiliating posture. You, you look like you don't know what you're doing. You find that all the time in the church, you know. We do a service. I mean, we could organize a service, but we do a service where we're seeking God and pursuing his presence and we're worshiping him because we're something, we're reaching for something we haven't found, we haven't tasted, we don't know what it is. That's going to take groping. It's going to take you doing things you haven't done before. But, you know, we're not sure we could find anything, so why don't we just do it in a safe way? Why don't we just look like we know what we're doing? And then we can bring people in and say, look how good we do church. And that's what church has become, this efficient, organized, linear thing. And what God is saying is there's something in me to be found. There's something in me. And he's looking at you as an individual There's something in me to be found. And you can wait, and you can wait, and you can wait, and you can keep coming here Sunday after Sunday and wait for this magical thing to drop on you. It's not going to drop on you. I did that once when you knew nothing, but now I'm requiring that you seek me. Well, but Lord, it's, I did that once. I came up here and I danced. I pounded a stick on the ground at our conferences, and you never did the thing. Nothing really changed for me. Oh, but you were you were a hair away from a life-changing moment. But then suddenly you became self-aware and embarrassed that you were making a fool of yourself. Got carried away with empty nonsense. You were just, you were right ready as a church. You were right ready as an individual. You were right ready for your family to break into something new, something the earth has never seen. And then you backed off because it got uncomfortable. And Satan was whispered in your ear things that he knew you agreed with. Well, if God really wanted you to have this, I mean, why, why would you have to? Why, why would God make you feel little? Why would God want to make you feel stupid? It's because he, you know, that's not the way God works. It is absolutely the way God works. He's here, and we are here. He is eroding the pride. He is eroding the very definitions of who deserves to look good. And that's the thing, if you've ever been in a room with a king, the reason, all the protocols is that one head will be lifted up and all the others debased. 
and you bow and you back up and you don't turn your back on. All of those things are expressions of honor, honor, honor. I will honor you against everything else. And God is saying, I'm looking for a people who understand what they can have. And when they understand what they can have, they will humble themselves and they will do, they will forget their dignity and their pride and their posture. And what if, what if we stand before the Lord one day and we see the map of our lives coming? We just, we're almost at amazing transformation. But then we made a decision in our heart. Not sure it'll ever happen. It's too much to pay. The reason he said, Don't cast your pearl before swine. Swine have no regard for the value of pearls. And they trample them over. And God is saying, I'm looking for a people. The people that humble themselves and seek me with all of their heart know, have an intrinsic sense of the value of this thing. They believe. That's what faith does. Enables you to believe that this thing is valuable, that this thing is worth everything. I found a pearl. I found a jewel in a field. And I'm going to sell everything, everything, everything for the value because it's priceless. Nothing is too much to pay. And so hundreds of scenarios all around our lives, conflict with brothers and sisters. And, uh, you know, it's just too much to pay to have to forgive that person. It's too much to pay to have to, you know, let that go. It's too much to pay. And the Lord says, you think that's about this disagreement with you and them? It's about your obedience to me. And what you're saying to me is you don't want more of me that that reconciliation I asked you to do, that forgiveness, that releasing of that offense is just too much for you for more of me. You think it's about them? It's not about them. It's about you and me. It's always been about you and me. I have life that I can give you. Like that's, he has it. What would you give for more of him? Isaiah 66, verse 1 to 5 says, Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build for me? Where is the place of my rest? For all those things my hand has made and all those things exist, says the Lord. But in this one will I look on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit, who trembles at my word. I hear it again and again and again and again and again. My daughter was just telling me a story. Some guy's opinion about tongues. Some guy's opinion about the Holy Spirit. And I think, I wish I could make him see the exchange that he is making. Your human thinking, your little constructs, your sense of what's important, what's, what's, what's valuable, what's firm, what's clear, what's right. You don't understand that, therefore it can't be God. You haven't even started your journey and you're already halted. This is, this is, we're going to stand before him and we're going to see all the exchanges we made. In the economy of the kingdom of God, when you, when you, in the natural economy, you, you, you give one thing to get another thing. In the economy of God, you give one thing to get another thing. What he's asking is you give up trash for treasure. 
He said, he's just asking, I just want your trash and I will give you treasure. I want your low thinking and I will give you amazing revelation, amazing wisdom and insight as to how the kingdom of God works. I am ready to do that. I am able to do that. There is a generation about to cross a line into the mystery of God that has been spoken about from apostles and prophets in ages before. And even Paul said, the mystery of my gospel. He said, I was taken up to heaven for two weeks. For 14 days, I saw unspeakable things, unspeakable things. What would you pay to see and experience unspeakable things? What would you give? But Lord, I value so much the way I think and feel. I value so much my opinion. I value so much my perspective. Oh, the embarrassment of one day seeing that we stood against the glorious knowledge of God with the words, well, I think... And my heart is saying, God, I'm ready to make the exchange at whatever level. I want to think like you. I want to, I want to love what you love. I want to know what you know. I want, to, I want to experience what you're willing to give. I mean, look at Hebrews 6. It says, it's talking about those who left the faith. And he said, he said they have tasted of the powers of the age to come. Do you know that when you got born again, that was an introduction to the powers of the age to come? When we fall away, he said, he was talking about the conditions for not being able to return. But the very definition of what it means to be Christian is to to taste of the powers of the age to come. And God is saying, the powers of the age to come are here. They're here. They're right here. They're in the room. They're inside of you. And this is what Paul is praying. He said, I'm praying for you, Ephesians, that the Spirit of God will give you the revelation, the spirit of revelation in the knowledge of him, that you may know the power at work inside of you. He, he prays it three, four times in the New Testament. He prays for the same thing. If you, and he said, if you only knew, if you only knew, if you only knew the glory of what's right there, right there, right there. And so, God, we want to make an about-face today. And we want, to, we want to make about-face from all the thinking. All the, this is hard. This is too much. This is, you know, it's serving God is hard and, and being good is hard and coming to church is hard and praying is hard. What would you give for the greatest treasure that can be found? Paul understood that, and he said, I consider everything lost as trash. I've counted, I've lost all things for the cause of Christ, yet I, I count it as nothing because I've seen the glory, the beauty of that which cannot pass away. Uh, there is rising in the church today, there is rising in the earth today a people who have tasted and seen, and we've we felt the power, the beauty, the glory of God pass like a comet that passes the atmosphere of the earth. We've seen the glow of that thing. We're saying more, Lord, more, Lord, more. We want the fullness of that thing that we've tasted. We want to be a part of that end time church that says we want 
the fullness of this thing that we've tasted. That thing that caused me to be born again to resurrection life. The breath, the ruah of God inside of me. Lord, what is the fullness? Hmm. I pray that today we can lay down and I'm hoping that as I've been sharing that you're laying down all those little offenses, all those little things that you think it's not worth it, if this and I just uh, the preaching of the gospel is designed to bring a fullness of heart to the forefront of your being so that you cry out to him. That having him and more of him is more important than absolutely everything else. That's what the gospel does because it creates faith. It creates, it causes that thing that was elusive and thin and phantom-like to be substantial and close. Yeah, it's close. It's close. It's close. And then you, 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 you come back next week and you humble yourself and you worship God with all your strength. And you, you, maybe you don't get that fullness, but you know that it's, I can feel it. I can feel it. And what drives us to worship, what drives us to pray, what drives us to gather is that when we gather, we get a sense of that thing that's coming closer and closer and closer. It's the opposite of what we used to do when we did drugs. I used to do drugs. And when I did drugs, I was seeking a beauty that I felt in the drugs. And and I just had to do more and more because... The more I did, the lesser the experience. But I knew there there was some beauty I would feel, and I just wanted to get closer to it. And then when I became born again, I realized, no, you are the desire of all nations. It's you that I was looking for. It's you that I was longing for. You are the beautiful one. Beautiful one. Beautiful one. Everything that's beautiful is only a shadow of you. A slim marginal, many times removed of your glory. I must have you. I must have you. This is the heart of the believer. This is what it means to be Christian. I must have you. Let's seal this and ask God for that miracle of a united heart. And it might be that today is just a few more strands added to the mix. But it's some. 